I want to share a message with you. And honestly, this whole weekend, I've been kind of praying through the right word because this is a, this is a special weekend for us. This marks 12 months since our church entered into the pandemic last year. It was this week in March 2020 that we were told in our city that we would have to figure out a way to not meet as a church in person. And little did we know it was gonna launch us into the greatest revival that we had seen yet in a while of rooftop revival services, parking lot grocery giveaways, and, and ended up giving 14 million meals away in a matter of 12 months, over 14 million meals as a church that we gave to people all over our nation. And so as I was praying over this message, I wanna title this message, You're Doing Better Than You Think. You're doing better than you think. Turn to someone next and say, you're doing better than you think. I don't know, how many of you guys wrestle sometimes with wondering if you're doing that good? Yeah? How many of you guys are just a, kind of a critic to yourself? You're just, you're always finding what you could do better in. You're always like, ah, I shouldn't have said that, should have done that, wish I would have been that. And probably the most encouraging words that I've heard from a friend, a pastor, a leader is, Paul, you're doing better than you think you are. Um, I remember right when I stepped in as pastor and my mom was like, okay, it's time for you to start leading the church. And that first week we had um, a group of people that came to me and my wife and they said, we're leaving the church. And Ash and I were like, why? And they're like, cause we don't like you. <laughs> it was a really painful moment. <laughs> and, uh, and it kind of sent me down a spiral of like, the fear of rejection from people. I was like, who else is leaving? Who's mad at me? And I must not be doing a good job. I haven't even started. And I already felt like I was failing, uh, whether it was you know an usher that was upset or a greeter or someone who had been at the church for a long time. And I started just critiquing myself so much that every week I didn't feel like I was doing enough or that I was doing a good enough job. And as I was looking back over this last year, I just felt like the Lord wanted to encourage some people in the room that you, you are doing way better than you think you are. And God is doing way more than you realize in your life. And God is up to a whole lot of good things in this season right now. And this season is better than you think it is. And this year is gonna be better than you realize it's gonna be. Come on, get your hope up today. Get encouraged today. So someone came to me in that moment and they said, Paul, doesn't matter what anyone says, what anyone does. God is so proud of you and your dad is smiling and cheering you on from heaven and you're doing better than you think you are. I needed to hear those words. I needed to hear those words. I think you need to hear those words. Turn to someone next to you, you're doing better than you think you are. You are as a mom, as a dad, as a college student, as a, as a husband, as a wife, as a son, as a daughter, as a grandma, grandpa, you're doing better. And God's doing more than you realize. This last week, I was sitting down with Benaiah, and he was asking me, he said, Dad, how do I know if I'm growing? I can't tell if I'm getting taller. And I was like, well, you won't see it. It's, it's not like you can see if you're getting taller. He goes, I just feel like everyone's getting taller except for me. And Benaiah's just this sweet little five-year-old boy. By the way, we have four kids under the age of seven. We're about to have five kids under the age of seven. Pray for us. Ash, you're doing better than you think you are. <laughs> but Benaiah said, Dad, how can I, Daddy, how can I tell if I'm growing? I said, you are growing. He said, but I don't feel like I'm growing. I thought sometimes I think maybe I sound like that with God. God, how do, how do I know if I'm growing, if I'm getting better? 
I can't tell if I am. I'm trying my best. I'm, every week I'm showing up to church, doing my job, brushing my teeth, you know, <laughs> taking a shower, reading my Bible, tithing. I'm doing all the things I know to do, but I can't tell if I'm really growing. And I just want to tell you today that the progress that has happened in your life in the last year is way more visible to everyone else around you except for you. God and so many people are looking at you going, wow, you are doing way better than you think you are. You, are, you have grown leaps and bounds, Benaiah. You have grown so much. You may not see it, but God sees it. Paul said it like this in Philippians 1, verse 6. I love this, this scripture. If you want to open your Bibles and shout for joy at the word of God, Paul said, I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you is carrying it on. In other words, this good work hasn't stopped. Just because you might be going through a pandemic, a tough season, the good work continues. God is up to something. You may not see it, but you are making progress. And God is progressing a spiritual growth in your life. And that's the greatest growth we can have. God's up to more than you realize. So Benaiah, he was like, I want to see your phone. I want to look back at pictures of what I looked like a year ago to see if I've really grown. So we're looking back at pictures. And, and he flips back to this picture from last year, this first week of March in 2020. There's a picture of me and Ashley. And we're touching elbows. He's like, what's this all about? I was like, well, we were told that week that we weren't allowed to shake hands or hug because this little virus was starting to spread and we didn't know what was going to happen. And, and so we had to touch elbows. He's like, well, that's weird. That's funny. Then we went to the next picture. It's a picture of us with all four of the kids. And there's Benny in an astronaut costume and Liam in a dinosaur costume and Ellie is crying. Mac is crying. And as I'm looking at it, tears start coming to my eyes. I go, wow. A year ago, I remember that week because our school had to shut down along with all the schools in America. And families who had never homeschooled their kids were trying to figure out how to homeschool their kids. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? And you're at home and you're trying to figure out how do we do this? And, and can we do this? And are we even good at this? I feel like we're not even good at teaching ourselves. Now we gotta teach our kids. And it gave me major props for all the teachers. How many are thankful for all the teachers that teach your kids, that taught you growing up? But I remember that first week just looking at our kids and trying to figure out how are we gonna get through this? Our church was being told we couldn't meet. What's gonna happen? How are we gonna take care of our, our employees? How are we gonna take care of the church? How are we gonna take care of all the, all the kids out there? And especially kids that are in broken homes and, and what's gonna happen? Now that they're saying that the alcohol shops are essential and the cannabis shops are essential, but the church isn't essential. And I remember that first week or two just battling what in the world is going on in our nation. But as I look back over the last year, I realize God was doing more than I could see. And I was doing better than I thought I was doing. And Ashley was doing better than she thought she was doing. And Victory was doing better than we realized we were doing. And soon enough, our story was about to go viral during a virus that Victory Church refused to shut down. That Victory was going to remain open. Whether it was in a parking lot, on a rooftop, at the Dream Center, we were going to figure out a way to minister hope in a hopeless time. The enemy loves to get us discouraged thinking that things aren't getting better, that we're not doing that great. If the enemy can discourage you, he can destroy you. If he can get you discouraged, I could preach the best sermon of my life and you might say, man, that's the best sermon of your life. But if I don't believe it, 
And I just hold my head down. Oh, I'm, not, I'm a terrible preacher. I failed. I'm not as good as my daddy. We rise to the level of our own image. I go in the direction of what my thoughts are about me. Proverbs chapter 4 says, as a man thinketh, so is he. So if I think defeated, it doesn't matter if you say I'm a conqueror. If I say I'm a loser, your words aren't going to lift me up. It's going to have to be in my own head. This is why we've got to get this in our minds. I'm doing better than I think I am. So I need to change my thoughts. I need to stop thinking so defeated, so negative, so skeptical and cynical because our thoughts determine the direction of our life. I remember when Miles Monroe came to speak at our church right before he passed away. And he said these words. He had preached for almost two hours. It was, it was an incredible sermon. How many of you guys remember Miles Monroe? Just a, a great communicator, teacher of the gospel from the Bahamas. And um, at the end of his sermon, he stopped and he looked at me. And he said, I see something in you. Now, I wasn't the pastor at that time. But he said, you're going to lead and you're going to have to lead with courage. And in the midst of crisis lies great opportunity for those who can see with eyes of faith. I'll never forget it. I just took hold of it, put it in my journal. That it comes down to what I see. If I see that I am bigger than Goliath, then I'm willing to fight Goliath. If I see that the walls of Jericho don't stand a chance against the God who lives inside me, if I see that I'm more than a conqueror, if I see myself the way God sees me, then COVID-19 is not going to stop me. And a pandemic, listen, I'm telling you right now, you've got to get this inside your mind. You are born for such a time as this. And God is doing way more in your life than you realize. And your season matters. And one day you're going to look back on your phone and you're going to look at pictures from a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. And you're going to say, oh my goodness, I was complaining. I was negative. I thought I was going backwards, but I was doing better than I thought I was. And God was doing more than I realized in that moment. So I was looking at this video with Benaiah, and it was a video of all the kids as they were screaming and crying, because I want you to just see what was happening that first week of the pandemic in our house. It was rough. I want you to get a, just a good glimpse of what it's like with four kids under the age of seven. Here it is. Okay, stop right there. All right. It gets worse. And then the dogs start barking. Just four screaming loud babies. We need to get the worship music back. But it was it was wild. And I was like, man, I just feel overwhelmed. I just, I'm like, Lord, I need your grace. Dear God, help us in Jesus' name, you know. And then asking, Lord, am I doing a good job? Because I'm trying my best. I'm, am I doing good? Am I, am, I, am I okay? I feel sometimes like I'm just never good enough at whatever that I'm supposed to do, that I'm always disappointing someone. I remember this one leader came and spoke to us um, several years ago, and he said, Paul, you're going to have to choose who you disappoint someday. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, one day you're going to disappoint some people in your life. And I said, I don't want to disappoint anyone. I want to make everybody happy. He said, it's impossible. And you'll kill yourself trying to do that. 
He said, you're going to have to choose who you disappoint. Are you going to disappoint your wife or are you going to disappoint someone else? Are you going to disappoint your kids? You're going to disappoint. You're going to have to choose who you disappoint. But once you choose that and you choose that, you give it your all to the area that you're supposed to not disappoint. And it was a really good word for me. But the only problem was I walked away from it thinking I'm always disappointing someone and like feeling like I'm coming up short. And I just needed to hear those words. It was one of my father's close friends that came to me in 2020, right when we were in the middle of all of this stuff. We're doing all these things, the rooftop revival. We're trying to take care of all the people that need a meal. We had people who were coming to us saying, I lost my job. Can you guys help me find a job? Every Sunday, I was trying to come up with a new sermon while I was also trying to do other things for the church and other people and take care of the kids. And I'm just like, ah, I don't feel like I'm doing enough or I'm, I'm not doing good enough. And, and one of my dad's friends came to me and he said, Paul, you're doing better than you think you are. And I said, how do you know that? Because he said, I was with your dad and I knew your dad sometimes wondered if he was doing a good job. And I know I should have told Billy Joe more. And I'm going to tell you this, you're doing better than you think you are. And you need to get your head up and stop listening to the lies of the enemy because the lies of the enemy will talk you out of the promised land. This is what happened to the Israelites. When they were leaving Egypt, God said, I have a promised land for you. I am calling you to go into Jericho, into Canaan. I'm giving you this new land flowing with milk and honey and grapes that are the size of of adult men, like massive grapes, massive fruit. It's waiting for you. The land is waiting for you. And the Israelites came back after spying out the land. You can read this in Exodus numbers 14, but they came back and they said, there's no way we could take this promised land because we look like grasshoppers in our own eyes. We look too small to conquer the giants in that land. They're bigger than us. They're stronger than us. We're not good enough for this. And they shrunk back because of their own vision. In order for us to continue to move forward with faith and be like Paul the Apostle, who was confident. Our confidence is not in ourselves. Our confidence is not in our ability. Our confidence is in God's character. And his character is not contingent on your ability or your charisma or your personality. The character of God is strong. It is true. He is a good God even when you're not a good person. He is a faithful God even when you're faithless. He is a God who continues to do exceedingly abundantly above anything we can ask, hope, dream, or imagine because that's just who he is. Come on, give God praise. That's who he is. Paul said, I am confident, not in myself, but in God. I'm confident in God. Someone called it Godfidence. Godfidence, confidence in God. Job, in the middle of a tough season in his life, Job had lost everything. His health had declined. He had lost his kids, lost his job, lost his house. But in the middle of the book of Job, in Job 19, verse 25, is this golden nugget of a scripture. And he says this, I know. That is a confident certainty right there. I know that my Redeemer still lives. He's still on the throne. I know my Redeemer lives and that in the end, he will stand on the earth. One version says, in the end, he has the final say in my life. Things might look dark, things might look scary, but God is not finished with my story yet. And he's doing something even when I can't see it. Even when I don't 
know what's happening. He's working. Mm, even when I can't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. He never stops, he never stops working. He never stops, he never stops working. Even when I can't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. He never stops, he never stops working. He never stops, he never stops working. When I was really little, my mom taught us this song. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways men cannot see. He will make a way for me, and he will be my guide. Hold me closely to his side. With each strength and grace for each new day, he will make a way. He will make a way. I forgot the end of it, but you get the point. So when the pandemic hit and I was discouraged and I was overwhelmed, I was holding on to confidence that God was with us, that God was going to work things out. Can I tell you, as I look back over this last year, God has been so faithful. Lamentations 3 verse 23 says, our God is faithful. Great is thy faithfulness. His mercies are new every single morning. I wouldn't be alive today if it were not for the faithfulness of God. I should have died in a house fire. I should have died with sickness and disease. You should have died with COVID-19, but God has been faithful. Come on. He deserves your praise this morning. He deserves your worship this morning. How do you get your confidence back? You put your hope in the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. As I look back over these last 12 months and I think, you know, I see March kind of this year as, as the start of a new year. I don't see January because I feel like it was this time last year that everything began. So I kind of mark it as one year. I almost titled this message, I'm a survivor. Turn to someone next and say, I'm a survivor. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to stop up. I'm a survivor. Come on, y'all remember Destiny's Child back in the day? Ashley was like, don't sing it. It's cringy. Don't sing it. I was like, I, I live on cringy. I am a cringy person. I'm corny. I'm cheesy. I got it all. Um, but we survived. There was a message that God spoke last year in our church that he dropped in my spirit. I just heard these words the first week of the pandemic. Victory over the virus. Victory over the virus. And our team had come to me. They said, hey, we want to we wanna, um, do some new merchandise in the bookstore, like T-shirts or, or hoodies. Is there something you want to see? I said, I want a flag. And they were like, a flag? Why do you want a flag? I was like, America has a flag. Victory needs a flag. And so we got a flag last year. And... Um, Thank you, Mr. Daniel Henshaw. And how many of you guys were here last year when we lifted up this flag and we had someone run around the room with the flag? It was the first week of the pandemic. It was March the 9th, March 9th of 2020. And it was my friend Trey. I said, Trey, will you run with this flag? Because he was a yell leader at ORU. He was part of the, the, the cheerleading team. And so... Um, he ran with the flag all through the room 
And people said, how are you going to run around with the flag when there's a pandemic going on? And I said, because we need to let the enemy know that he does not own this territory, that this is victory's territory. And, and our team said, now, why in the world did you want a flag? And I said, well, I'd seen, uh, I'd watched OU football and there was this game where Baker Mayfield, the quarterback, before he went to the Cleveland Browns, uh, they were playing a really hard team and they should have lost. It was a tough battle, but they won the game and nobody thought they would win. And at the end of the game, he went to the center field of this other team's you know, uh, stadium and there was a lot of people that were not happy that OU had won and he took the OU flag and he waved it in the air. Come on. And then he stuck it in the center of the field. He planted the flag and people were mad. They were just staring at him. And here's what he was saying. He was saying, we win, you lose. We own this territory. So last year, before the pandemic started, I didn't know there was gonna be a pandemic when we ordered those flags, but we got that flag and we waved it that first week and we planted that flag right here at Victory. And when we went out on the rooftop and thousands of people showed up that first night, I wasn't sure if anyone would come. I didn't even know if people wanted to get out of their homes during COVID, but 800 people gave their heart to Jesus that first night in the parking lot. Come on, you're doing better than you think you are. Don't let the enemy discourage you. You are winning way more than you are losing. But I remember we put the flag out there. We began to wave it. This lady drove up to our parking lot that first night in tears. She said, I was going to end my life tonight. She said, I've been out of a job. I was an hourly employee. And when COVID hit, they told all of us that we, we don't have a job for you anymore. And she said, I have three little kids at home and I, I don't even know how to homeschool. And I... And, and we're running out of money. And she said, the little money that I had left, I was gonna go and I was gonna buy some alcohol and, and I was gonna drive my car off a bridge. And she said, I left all three kids at the house and they're little, little, little kids. She said, as I was driving down the street, all the churches were closed in Tulsa, but there was one light on at 77th and Lewis. And when I saw your church lights on, I pulled in the parking lot and there was a sign in the, in the parking lot that said, turn your radio to 97.7, whatever it was. She said, I turned my radio on and you were on a scissor lift 40 feet up in the air and you were shouting, there's hope, there's hope for America. There's hope for the world. God is not finished with you yet. She said, I could hear the tears in your voice as you were talking. And she said, I saw you screaming on that scissor lift. And she said, I decided to give my heart to Jesus that night. Now, I was discouraged that night because our sound system was going in and out. The worship wasn't sounding very good. I, I had people who were mad that we were meeting in a parking lot saying we needed to shut down and just stay online. So I wasn't sure if we were doing good or not. But that girl's testimony was just a reminder. You're doing better than you think you are. And God's doing more than you can see. And there's more than meets the eye. And this season is not a wasted season. And this year, you're going to look back someday and say, that was the year that God showed up. That was the year that God's faithfulness was there. That was the year that we should have been defeated, but we waved a flag of victory. We planted a flag of hope in a city that needed more hope than they realized. <laughs> Come on, you're doing better than you think you are, sir. I was talking to a guy after the service, last service, I'll give this back to you, Daniel. And he came to me with tears in his eyes and he was 
in his late 50s, he said, I'm gonna have to move. I'm going to a new city. I got, I got a new job. And he said, I just want you to know, I started coming here in the pandemic and I really needed this church. And he said, I, I'm gonna stay tuned in with you guys in the future. This was just in the last service, just an hour ago. And he said, but I needed this message today because I've been questioning if I'm a good dad, if I'm a good person. And he said, I just needed to hear those words that I'm doing better than I think I am. He said, if you only knew what I was going through when I showed up to this church six, seven months ago, when you guys started meeting in person again, if you only knew the growth that's happened, I, I, sometimes I forget what God has done. I'm telling you today, the enemy, if he can just get you to forget what God's done, he can steal your confidence. The way that you beat the enemy is you begin to remind him of your highlight reel. You, you begin to remind him, oh, no, 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 God showed up right then. God forgave me of that. God moved me through that. God set me free of that. God advanced me from that. God helped me graduate through that. God gave me favor through that. I want to ask you today, how many of you guys saw the provision of God financially in the last 12 months? How many of you guys, your finances actually got better in the pandemic? Keep your hand up. Your finances got better. Actually, stand up. If your finances got better in the pandemic, stand up. Because the church needs to see the testimony today of the faithfulness of God and people's finances. You're standing today. Now, as you're standing, don't sit back down. Those of you that are standing, how many of you, the enemy tried to tempt you with fear when the pandemic hit about your finances? How many were tempted with some stress? Feeling a little, yeah. The enemy always tries to tempt you, saying, oh, you're, you're gonna go backwards. You're not gonna be able to pay the bills. But look at you standing today. Give God praise today that he showed up. He's doing more than you realize. You're doing better than you think you are, man. You got way more to praise about than you do to complain about. You got a whole lot more to smile about than you do to frown about. Come on, man, this is powerful. Look around the room. Now, I can already hear the enemy starting to whisper to some of you who were sitting, saying, yeah, it happened for them. No, I'm serious, because I've been there before. Oh, when my father passed away, every time I saw someone testify a miracle about getting healed of cancer, I've been there before. Someone say, ah, oh, I got healed of cancer. Happened for them. Happened for them. I had lunch with Grand Grand this last week. She turned 97 years old. She's healthy and whole. She's healthy. She's happy. But I can already hear the enemy whispering to some, his grandma's alive. When she didn't die of COVID. The enemy always does. The enemy always tries to get us to focus on what went wrong in our life. I'm not here to say that bad things didn't happen in the last 12 months. We lost some people, people in our church, close friends. My heart broke when Steve Spanage went on to be with the Lord, when Margaret Hawthorne went on to be with the Lord. I know that some of you in this room, you've lost loved ones. And I know the enemy would try to make you feel discouraged that there's not much to praise about. But I'm telling you today, the way to beat the enemy of depression and discouragement is to say, yeah, I've walked through some painful things. God never promised us immortality. He never said that you will never die. It's appointed unto every person to die at some point. 
But he did promise to be a shelter in the storm. He did promise to give us grace, even when we don't know how we're going to get through us. He did promise that he would be close to the brokenhearted. I can tell you this, that even when I lost my father, I had a father in heaven who was with me through it all. And our bro my brother, my sisters, each of us, we felt the grace of God. My mom, we would come together every Sunday for lunch saying, how are you doing? And it was like the grace of God carried our family through that. The fact that you're in church today is a testimony that the devil did not steal your faith, that he did not steal your song, that he did not steal your hope, that you're still here today. So if you were sitting in the last moment, go ahead and stand up and tell the devil, you don't win, I win. Victory over the virus. Come on, if you were sitting in the last moment, go ahead and stand up. You might have lost your job, but you didn't lose your song. You might have lost your grandma, but you didn't lose your faith. And you're gonna see her again someday in heaven. And I'm gonna see my dad again someday in heaven. So I'm not gonna let the devil discourage me, talking me out of my victory. Because what the enemy meant for harm, God's gonna turn around for good. I'm still standing. Tell somebody next to you, I'm still standing. The devil didn't win. The devil is a liar. Come on, Tyler Perry, the devil is a liar. Medea, the devil is a liar. Sometimes we don't see what God sees. I want to show you one, one more scripture passage. There's a lot that I wanted to share, but I want to just get to this passage. It's powerful. It's in 2 Kings chapter 6. Elisha was a prophet, a man of God, and he was... He was changing a nation. He was bringing revival to a nation. And there was enemies who didn't like him because he was just, he was helping the entire nation, not just spiritually, but he was helping them economically. He was helping them to conquer their enemies. I'm telling you, when God gets involved in your life, he starts to breathe hope and life and favor and grace on every area. But the enemy doesn't like it. By the way, if you're feeling attacked right now, it may not be because you're doing anything wrong. It may be because you're doing everything right. Because the anointing attracts attacks. The anointing attracts the attacks of the enemy. You say, I don't know if that's scriptural. Oh, okay, well, let me just point it to you from literally the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible. Jesus especially, everywhere Jesus went, the anointing attracted the attacks of the enemy. Elisha was feeling the attacks they were surrounding him. It says in 2 Kings 6, verse 13, that the enemy said, go and find out where Elisha is. We need to capture him. And they said, he's in Dothan. And so they sent the enemy armies, horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and they surrounded the city. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you, Lord. In the middle of the night, the enemy surrounded Elisha and his servant. And when his servant got up, this man who would stay with him, he was like the armor bearer. He was Elisha's right-hand guy. He gets up in the, in the early morning and he looks outside his tent and he says, oh my God, oh my Lord, what are we going to do? He saw horses and chariots all around him from the north, south, east, and west. They were surrounded by the enemy. But Elisha gets up and he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. 
don't be afraid. How did he have courage to say, don't be afraid? Elisha had seen what God did for Elijah. Elisha saw how God had showed up for his predecessor, how God had moved in his life. Right when the pandemic hit, there was that, that temptation to get afraid financially, to get afraid of the virus, who might get sick. There was that temptation to, to cave into discouragement and despair. But there was also that reminder you find out what you're made of in a crisis and, and what's, what's really inside you starts to pour out of you. And it was like faith was growing up inside me. And this faith was stirring up inside me to not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The same God who was with your dad is with you. The same God who delivered you and the last attack is going to deliver you and this attack. Here's why we need to get this confidence in, in what's happening in our lives. Because the enemy's only going to keep bringing more things at your life. And if you don't learn how to begin to see what God sees, Paul prayed in Ephesians 3, oh Lord, I pray that you would open the eyes of their understanding. Open their eyes to see what you're doing in them. David prayed in Psalms, oh God, open my eyes to see what you're up to. Because sometimes we're in the middle of something, we don't even see it. We don't even see what God's doing. And we're discouraged and we're overwhelmed. Elisha said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I want to show you a video of me and Liam, our oldest child. He's seven years old. Last year, right when the virus hit, he said, hey, Daddy, um, how, come, how come there's no toilet paper left in, in the stores? Y'all remember that? <laughs> remember when we had no toilet paper in America for, for almost like a month? Why did everybody go and buy toilet paper the first four weeks of the pandemic? Did people just have to go use the bathroom that bad? People literally bought toilet paper like it was water, like we were running out of water. Anyways, that was a side note. But Liam was like, Dad, why, why is everyone buying toilet paper? and the, the shelves are empty. What's going on? I said, well, there's a virus. He said, what's a virus? I said, it's, it's, a, um, it's this tiny, it's this strand. You know, I'm trying to explain it to him. And it moves through the air. And he said, so people are afraid of it. I said, yeah. I said, our whole world is afraid right now. And I said, it, it is a scary thing. And he said, but daddy, we don't have to be afraid of the virus. I said, that's right, Liam. He said, because God's with us. I said, that's right, Liam. Turn to someone and say, don't be afraid. I don't know who I'm saying this to. Someone's watching online. I just feel a prophetic word. Someone is in the middle of something and the enemy is trying to strike fear in you right now. And you need to get your mind back on the goodness of God. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God is with you. And so I pulled out my phone. I said, Liam, let's just, let's encourage people right now. This was that first week that the virus began to hit just 12 months ago, one year ago this week. And I, I want you to just see what happened in this moment with me and Liam. Hey, I'm right here with Liam Josiah Doherty, and we wanted to encourage you to not be afraid of the virus. Liam, you want to pray for him? No, I'll, I want to say something else. Victory over the virus. Victory over the virus. That's a good word. Through Jesus, we have victory over the virus. You know, Liam, one of our favorite worship songs is What a Beautiful Name. Do you want to sing it together? Okay. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ our King. What a beautiful name it is. Nothing compares.
curses is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. You have no rival. You have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ our King. What a beautiful name it is. All right, you can. Come on, isn't that powerful? I'm, I'm crying right now just watching it. I didn't even know what I was recording. I was recording history and the Darty family. You don't even know what you're recording right now. I don't even think Oral Roberts knew what he was building when he was building it. I think he had an idea, but it wouldn't be until 30 years later when he saw people who were changing the world, who came through his university. I don't even think, moms, you know what you're, how powerful it is, the kids you're raising right now, the season that they're in, the teenagers. I don't, I don't, I, I don't know if we fully know. That's why I was looking back at these pictures and these videos from a year ago, because I wanted to remind myself, oh, I remember singing that song with Liam. And I remember Liam coming to our church outside for the first rooftop service and he said daddy can we do this every single week by the way we're going to bring back the rooftop revival services later this month we're going to do some outdoor spring services in the parking lot out on the lawn the enemy thought that he had us the enemy thought he had elisha elisha said don't be afraid Go back to that scripture. He said, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. You're going to get through this. You're going to make it. You're going to see the victory on the other side of this because there are more for you than those who are against you. I don't know who's against you right now, but Romans chapter eight says, if God be for you, who can be against you? I don't know who's out to get you, but I'm telling you right now, no weapon formed against you prosper. You are a child of God. You were purchased at the price of the blood of Jesus. And you're a testimony. And you're doing better than you think you are. God's doing more than you realize. And Elisha prayed, oh God, open his eyes that he might see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes. And he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And he realized the God of angel armies was surrounding them. And that day, the Lord turned the attack that was supposed to come on Elisha back on the people who came to attack him. God's about to reverse the attacks that have, that have been sent to try to take you out. God's about to restore what the enemy has stolen. I'm telling you today, listen, if we get our faith and our hope in God, get our eyes renewed. I remember when I was really little, my dad took us out to this, this field that's now church. And this used to be a soccer field and it used to flood right here. And he said, what do you see? And I said, I see a soccer field. And he said, no, 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 what do you see in here? 
I said, I see lots of soccer fields. And he said, but what about the future? I said, soccer players, soccer teams, soccer goals, soccer balls. And he said, no, no, no. One day I see a, a, a church auditorium, debt free, with thousands of people coming to find hope. One day I see a church that's going to minister to people and the altars are going to be packed. And I see people's lives getting healed and marriages, families restored. He begins sharing this vision. Before he passed away, there were things that he was waiting to see. That during the pandemic, there was one week during the pandemic. God promised me the night that my father passed, I heard the number 60,000. And I thought, what is that all about? And I heard the Lord say, one day there will, be, there will be a time where victory is reaching 60,000 people a week. Did you know when the pandemic hit, that very first week we reached 69,000 people between online and our outdoor services, 69,000 people. And I went back to the room and I was looking at a picture of my dad. I don't know if he knew. I know he saw it in heaven. I think there's things we're doing right now. You're doing better than you think you are. And what you're doing right now is going to affect future generations. I want us to stand to our feet all over this room because God wants you to see through eyes of hope and faith that he who began this good work in you is gonna be faithful to complete it. That where the enemy may have tried to knock you down, kick you down, there are more for you than those who are against you. Someone came up to me in the midst of all of the, the social media, you know, uh, hatred that was kind of being spewed at victory, right? Right when we were having our in-person services and there was thousands of people coming and, and, and uh, this person said, hey, I know that social media is loud and I know that social media can sound very harsh towards you and towards the church, but I just want you to know there are more for us than those who are against us. And there are more of us out here that are for you, Paul, than those that are against you. And he said, there might be a lot of Twitter haters out there, but there's a whole lot of church members in here that God has called to stand up and stand beside. And I'm telling you today, there might be people that, that the enemy has tried to send into your life to mess with you, to discourage you, to hurt you. But God has sent a whole lot more people to help you. God has sent a whole lot more people and God has called this house to be a place and a voice of victory in your life. I just feel like some of you, you need to get that flag out. Get, can I get that victory flag again? You need to get that flag out. The enemy has been trying to weigh you down. And I think today we need to end with a shout of praise. We're going to sing that song. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. And I feel like some of you need to wave that flag of victory in the face of the enemy. And you need to remind the devil he lost and you won. And this is your territory and God is not finished with you yet. And your best days are still in front of you and you still have victory over the virus and you, you're still standing. Come on, let's just worship for a moment in this place. I'm surrounded by you, God. You're doing more than I can see. I'm doing better than I think. God, you're up to something good. Even when I don't see it, you're working. God, you're bringing progress in my life. You're bringing victory into my life. Yeah, if you need to get down to the altar, come down to the altar. If you need to surrender today, if you need to cast your cares upon the Lord today, if you need strength today, those who wait upon the Lord, He shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like an eagle. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. If you need strength today, come down to the altar. If you need grace today, come down to the altar. If you need God's help today, come down to the altar. Yes.
he never sleeps. He never slumbers. He never stops. Never gives up. Even when I don't feel that you're working. Sometimes I just want to interview some of the Bible characters. And I think about it, if I could interview Esther and just ask her, what was it like when you were taking steps towards the king, knowing that if I perish, I perish. But who's to know that I've come to the kingdom for such a time as this? What was it like? What was going through your mind when you weren't sure if you were going to make it? And if I could talk to Joshua, if I could ask him, Joshua, what was it like when you had marched around the walls and nothing had changed in five days and you weren't sure if any progress was happening towards your miracle and you were wondering if this breakthrough was ever going to come to pass? What was it like on the seventh day when you weren't sure what was going to happen, but you were holding on to a word from God and Abraham and Sarah, what was it like when your friends made fun of you that you hadn't gotten pregnant for, for 70 years that you'd been married, but God gave you a promise that you would have kids? What was it like when that day you found out that Isaac was in your belly. What was it like, Peter, when people thought it was crazy that you wanted to step out of the boat and try to walk on water? What was it like? I think some of us one day we're going to look back and there's going to be people that ask us, what was it like in 2020 when you weren't sure how you were going to make it? Scroll back on those pictures and build your confidence again that the same God who showed up in that season is going to show up in this season. I think there's some of us here today that you need prayer and you're not at the altar. I want to give you that chance right now. If you're here today and you say, Paul, I need to get down to that altar. I need God's strength right now. I need God's help right now. I need God's favor right now. I need his grace right now. I need to choose to hold on to hope. If the enemy's been trying to weigh you down with discouragement, with fear, with stress, with depression, I want you to just leave your seat. I want to pray for you today that today something's going to break in your mind and your heart. That The enemy is going to lose that battle on the inside. And if you win on the inside, you start winning on the outside. Come on, let's, let's cheer on today, men and women that are leaving their seat to come down to the altar right now. Maybe you're here and you say, Paul, I just need to get right with God. I'm not in the right place and I need to get things right with God. Come and join us at the altar. Maybe you're here today and you say, I need to let Jesus be Lord of my life. Come on, today's a great day to get saved. Today's a great day to get healed. Today's a great day to get forgiven. Today's a great day for a fresh start. There's still people coming, entire families. Can we cheer on? Let's not do a golf clap. Let's do like angels going wild. Hey! The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when one sinner repents. Today is a day of new beginnings for so many people. But I also believe it's a day of fresh strength, a second wind. And I also think today's an anniversary. Anniversaries are a big deal. You don't want to skip an anniversary. Don't skip, don't skip a moment to celebrate what you just walked through. To look back and say, wow, 
God, you showed up. You showed up. You got us through it. We made it. You've been faithful. You've been good. You protected. You provided. And when I didn't realize how good things were, now I see I was doing better than I thought. And you were doing more than I could see. And there was more happening in that season than I realized in me and on me and through me and for me. Lord, I just pray right now for every person in this room. God, I pray for strength, for wisdom, for grace. Lord, for peace, for victory over every battle. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are with them, you are for them, you are helping them. God, I pray, Lord, just for confidence, confidence to grow inside them today. I bind the spirit of discouragement, That's that, that, that feeling of, of not good enough, inferiority, inadequacy, the feelings of failure. I thank you that today, God, you are stamping your approval on them saying, I love you. You are my child. You are doing better than you think you are. Don't let the enemy win anymore in your thoughts. God, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would help us to fix our thoughts on you, fix our eyes on you, the author, the finisher of our faith. Just say this with me, Jesus, my eyes are on you. My thoughts are on you. Thank you, God, that your thoughts about me are good. You love me, Lord. You're for me, not against me. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I repent of sin. I receive your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross. You rose from the dead. And you've given me victory. And my best days are right in front of me. And I will walk in victory because Jesus lives in me. Come on, give a shout of praise this morning. I love you. God loves you.